0: Hello and welcome to the Desperate and Appalling podcast series. My name is Paul Sloan and together with my co-author Desmond Cale we've written a number of books ranging from uh, Lateral Thinking Puzzles, Mathematical Lateral Thinking Puzzles, World's Best Word Puzzles, one, two, three, four, Wacky, Witty and Wonderful Words are some of the books we've written and in this series of podcasts we chat about puzzles, situations, words, anything that takes our fancy. So please sit back, enjoy the podcast, and if you like it, come back and listen to some more. I was going to I suggest we speak about words and numbers, favourite words and favourite numbers. And we can give a, a mention to our book, which is uh, this one, right. 1, yes, 2, right. three, four. And uh, we can also talk about some numbers. And I've got some favourite numbers to mention. I've got one or two favourite. Well, there's lots of great words in this book. But um, we can just uh, chat about those. So do you want to go first?
1: I'm going to talk about some of my favourite words from our book, um, One, Two, Three, Four, Wacky, Witty and Wonderful Words. And the first one I pick is scurryfunge. And a scurry scurryfunge is a very rapid tidying of your house when unexpected visitors are seen at the gate. And What's nice about it, it seems to be absolutely universal. I met a lady who bought a copy of the book and she said, I bought it on the basis of that word alone because I thought I was the only one that did it. But she said, I've been doing it for years and now it seems everyone's been doing it as well. So That's it's a lovely word, fun. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, scurry oh, fun. You, you you don't have to do it because I'm sure your house is impeccably tidy. Oh all, all the time,
0: yeah. <laughs> there
1: are no books left lying around or no oh. shirts left lying around, or that type of thing, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well I'll tell you a funny word, hyphenated. So hyphenated is not hyphenated, but non-hyphenated is hyphenated. That's very good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> before, yeah. Yeah. so they're
0: both they're both
1: non-descriptive of themselves there's a lovely story that um, um, the Irish rugby player Tony O'Reilly used to tell about confronting the English uh, uh, scrum half Nigel Starmer Smith he said I would come up to tackle him he said Starmer would go one way Smith would go the other and I was left holding the hyphen <laughs> <laughs> Very it's good. A lovely descrip- it's a lovely description of a good dummy in rugby
0: <laughs> excellent so can I mention one a, a, a number which is also a word? Well, there's a couple of them, really. 40 is one of my favourite numbers, because as a word, it's the only word, as far as I know, which is in which the letters are in alphabetical order.
1: That, that's correct. In the English language, it's the only number which the letters are... In, and it's a good question to ask people, because people find it hard to, But it's amazing that it's unique, that there's only one such word.
0: And there's and only that, one uh, number whose number of letters is the same as the uh, number itself. And that's four. Because one doesn't have one letter. Two doesn't have two letters. Three doesn't have three letters. But four has four letters. And it's the only number where that is true, I think.
1: I can go one better. One of my favourite numbers is 41. And I've just written a paper about the number 41. And it's absolutely amazing the properties that it's got. And one property was known to the great mathematician Euler. And he said, if you take n squared plus n plus 41... Right, for the first 40 values of n, n equals 1, n equals 2, n equals 3, that's n squared plus n plus 41, you always get a prime number. That's astonishing that you get 40 prime numbers in a row when you put uh, 1, 2, 3, 4 into the expression n squared plus n plus 41. And it's it, it's quite incredible. There's no other number like that. No, no other number gives you uh, a run of primes at length. And the, the problem is... well. We don't know if n squared plus n plus 41 gives you infinitely many different prime numbers. That seems like an easy problem, but it's very difficult and nobody solved it. it. gives you infinitely many non-prime numbers or composite numbers all right, but nobody knows if you get N squared plus N plus 41 is prime for infinitely many different values of N. So it's it's, it's, it's a wonderful number. It's got loads and loads of other properties. And it's been known for about 300 years as being absolutely special. And I keep coming across it in you know various things, various places. It's one of those very strange numbers. And I bet in the next 24 hours, you'll come across the number
0: 41 somewhere. I will. Well, yes, the 41 <laughs> boss, I'll catch it, see where it goes. Not well, like 42, which is the answer to everything in the universe, isn't
1: that's it? Right. that's nice. Now, so you've got 40, 41, and 42. You've got three nice properties. That's absolutely beautiful. And I hadn't realized that. The, the number of, of letters in there, the, the um, strange prime factors, and then 42, of course, being the answer to everything.
0: Well, my, one of my favorite numbers is slightly more mundane, and it's 1001. And it's not only a carpet cleaner, but it's also the number of Arabian Nights. But it's a a useful number because if you want to impress someone, you ask them to get out their calculator and enter any three-digit number, like um, 347, and then repeat it. So you get 347, 347. And then what you do is you say, I want you to divide that by 13. And they do, and it it divides. And then you say, I want you to divide the answer by 11. And it divides. And then you say, I want you to divide the answer by 7. And it divides and it takes them back to their original number. And the reason for that, of course, is that 7 times 11 times 13 is 1001. And any three-digit number multiplied by 1001 becomes itself repeated. So 249 times 1001 will be 249249 and so on. I think think
1: that's one of the best mathematical tricks there is and it's absolutely made for a calculator. When I used to speak to... When I used to speak to a, you know, reluctant mathematics students in school, I always did that, and even the bored ones were impressed by that. And, of course, I'd say to them, I don't know what number you put in, and all of you probably put in different numbers, and you all got the same result. You all got the number that you started with. So very, very impressive indeed. Well, yeah. and, and,
0: of course, yeah. it works for a four-digit number as well, because if you take a four-digit number and repeat it, you get an eight-digit number, which is a very long number. And then you divide that by 73, and then by 137, and you get back to the original number, because yeah. ten thousand and one is the product of two primes, 73 and 137. And That's it, great. And it's a large number, which is the product of two primes. And large, yeah. n- very large numbers, which are the product of two primes, are the basis of a lot of cryptography and um, secret codes, because they're actually quite hard to work out what the two primes yeah. are if they're very, very large.
1: That's very good. That's very true. Trouble is, after the four numbers, you run out because the calculators usually aren't big enough that the kids have and they, they don't know how to do long division. So, I mean, they, they, it's really a trick for a calculator. Isn't and, it,
0: it? and it doesn't work with 101 because 101 is a prime number. It has no factors. That's right. That's, that's yeah. correct. Yeah. yeah. So,
1: so back to words, one of my favourite words is serendipity. And serendipity is the art of unexpected and happy... Uh, discoveries by accident you're you're looking for something and you find something else or you you know you It's almost as if it's waiting there for you to find it and it seems it comes from the island of Sil- formerly Ceylon now Sri Lanka and there was a prince there called Serendip and he had this knack of making happy discoveries by accident and some people think it's a a lovely word but it's a very beautiful word as well it just trips off the tongue serendipity very nicely and it's one of my very favorite words it's one of my most beautiful words as well so Ceylon Sri Lanka Prince Serendip, Making Happy Discoveries by accident, And again, it's one of those universal things that almost everybody you meet says, oh, yes, that happens to me. And sometimes in academic circles, it's called the adjacent article effect. You go to the library to look up something and it turns out not to be very interesting or not what you wanted, but the article right beside it turns out to be something that you're looking for years and you didn't know it was actually there. So
0: that's a nice example as well. Yes, happy coincidence. One of my favourite words, which is in the book, is quincunx. Q-U-I-N-C-U-N-X. And what a strange word that is. It's an incredibly high score in Scrabble because it's got the Q and the X. And it means an arrangement of five points or objects at the corners and center of a square. So you see if trees were planted in that um, or or dice or or cards or something else, you see that pattern. Um, And it's a lovely word. And it comes from the Latin "quinque," meaning five.
1: Yeah, that's nice. If you join them up with roads, if you join all the roads to the centre of, of the point, it appears that that will be the shortest network of roads connecting the five towns placed at the corners of a square in the centre of a square. But it's not. It's, it's not a different. A different scenario.
0: And you, and and you can, if you use um, a bubble, if you use um, that's and right, was, and you stretch it between using, the, the, the it will form the shortest route.
1: It Discovered using a tank. Uh, with, with soapy water in it where the uh, configuration you put in comes to a sort of position of equilibrium and it's a very nice question to ask what is the best yeah. and the shortest network of roads it's actually based on what the bees do it's actually based on hexagons which is lovely
0: so give me another number
1: another number well one of the most famous numbers in mathematics after pi maybe is the number e the exponential number and you hear it used, misuse quite a lot people say oh it's growing exponentially Well, that's usually a synonym for is growing very quickly, but the correct usage of exponential is something that grows at a rate proportional to its size. So the bigger it is, the bigger it gets. And that's what exponential growth actually is. And a very good example is if you put some money in the bank, they will add interest every year. And that's not fair because the money has made some interest during that year that hasn't been added. You know, I suppose you add it every six months well that's a bit fair because you're adding on the interest at the end of the six months but suppose you add on the interest continuously, every time the money makes the teeny weenies little bit of interest you actually add it to your principal now that will give you exponential growth that's a natural place for the number E, which is about 2.718 and it's ubiquitous it's all over mathematics, for example if you have 367 envelopes and 367 letters and you put the um, envelopes into the letters, what's the probability that all of the envelopes will contain the wrong letter? And again, the number E actually comes in there. So it just occurs, all over the place in mathematics. And it's it's one of those things that you that you can't get away from. It's in calculus, it's in differential equations, it's in physics, it's in absolutely all over the place.
0: It worms its way in. And another one is I, and, and when I, I did mathematics at, at school and up to um, GCSE, as we used to call it, until the fifth year of secondary school, mathematics is fairly routine and you do algebra and geometry and arithmetic. And then we went into the sixth form and I was introduced to this concept of an imaginary number. Uh, the square root of minus one. Well, by definition, it can't exist because if you multiply two positive numbers together, you get a positive. And if you multiply two negative numbers together, you get a positive. So what number when multiplied by itself can result in minus one? And yet, if you if you say, let's pretend it exists and call it I, then you open up a whole new world of possibilities, not just in mathematics, but it's used in solving problems in physics and electronics and fluid dynamics and all sorts of places where you wouldn't expect it to be. Um, and, and it creates a virtual world which runs sort of alongside. We've got the, the real world and the imaginary world or, or really two another dimension that, that you can't see. And, of course, E, I and pi come together in Euler's incredible equation. E to the I pi minus 1 equals 0. Is that right?
1: That's right. Correct. Yep.
0: So you get the three I mean, transcendental numbers.
1: Yeah, it's e to the i pi plus one equals zero.
0: Is it? All yeah. right. right. Uh, yeah, right. I was close. Uh, yeah, it <laughs> um, And uh, it's remarkable. And it's almost proof that God exists, that somebody could... Come up with such an amazing equation yeah. tying together those
1: it's funny, it's funny you should say uh, uh, going to a different dimension because that's what you're doing. The real numbers, the ordinary numbers that we use for measuring, they lie along a straight line, the real axis. As yes. you go perpendicular, you get the number i up there as well, that, that would have coordinates 0, 1. And really that's what's going on. Complex numbers or so called imaginary numbers, which is a bit of an unfortunate term, are actually just pairs of real numbers. So the number 2 plus 3i is 2, 3. And there is no mystery involved at all there if you express an imaginary number or a complex number just as a pair of real numbers.
0: Um, and when, when we went into the 6 4, as well as the imaginary numbers, my. The maths teacher, Mister Freiber, he said, um, "Well, this we're going to do 3D geometry now, and instead of um, xy, we're going to do xyz." And here, and we had equations for a plane and equations for parallel lines and lines that cross. And he said, "And of course, the same approach works fine for four dimensions, five dimensions, six dimensions, or any other number of dimensions." And or in mathematics, you can you can describe an object in five dimensions or six dimensions, which the human brain cannot. Imagine, but mathematics can't define it very accurately. And that, well, that really blew my mind, that concept.
1: Well, physicists will say that the universe is 11-dimensional. Yes. And what they mean there is that you need 11 independent numbers to actually describe the position of a particle or how something moves. And, I mean, when you look at it like that, one independent, two independent, three independent, you don't have to be able to visualize it. And this is very important because the Greeks were sort of tied down by the fact that they couldn't imagine anything more than three-dimensional. Yeah. You know, I mean, four dimensions, but it's just in mathematics, it's just four independent coordinates, X, Y, Z and W, and That's You're all. Right. You which know, except numbers. And there's a story of Descartes. He was a very lazy student. He didn't go to lectures and he was lying in bed one morning and he saw a spider hanging from the ceiling. And he realized that if he could measure the distance of the spider from the ceiling, from one wall and the other wall, he'd know exactly where the spider was at any given time. So he said, if I give him coordinates X, Y and Z, I'll know exactly where the spider is. And that's supposed to be the reason and the way in which he invented coordinates. So stay in bed in the morning, look at spiders, don't go to lectures. <laughs>
0: uh, and th- is that why we call them Cartesian coordinates? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, think so. right. All right. So a palindrome is a lovely word. It's a word, verse, or sentence that reads the same backwards and forwards. For example, live dirt up a sidetrack carted is a putrid evil. And it goes the same forwards and backwards. Um, but there are some long... Uh, what's the longest palindromic word? Um, longest palindromic word? meleam, is it? Malayalam, I think so, yes. Malayalam, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: And there's an Eskimo one, isn't there, where the Or an Inuit one that... Uh, I can't remember what it is now, but I'm sure I it's got to do know. with no. I, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, it, it, it's one of the questions in this very good book, Sip and Solve, Brain Teasers, by Paul Sloan and Desmond McHale. And the question yeah. number 182 is, what is the longest palindromic word you can find in the English language? And it says our best answers are eight letters long. And the answer given in the book is detartrated, meaning Definitely. remove tartrates from. Yeah, yeah. But there's kinnikinik, which is, the, Covers, the, is the the Inuit word as well. Yeah.
1: Couples, when you write a book, you forget what's in it, don't you? You do! <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Another of my favourite words is malarkey. And that's uh, for absurd talk, and it's American slang. But it's it's based on an Irish surname called malarkey. And I had an aunt called Kate Malarkey, a lovely but a very fond of a lady. And, you know, the name actually does exist as a surname. But it's very funny. That you would say that's a load of malarkey, meaning that's a load of nonsense. It's it's a good word. It's a good derogatory word, and it's something I think which should be used more often.
0: Well, doesn't doesn't hooligan come from an Irish surname?
1: Yeah, hoolan. Yeah,
0: yeah, hoolan. Hoolan was, come, a, was a, the, the source of hooliganism.
1: Yeah, there were an Irish family in London, probably from County Clare, but the name is fairly endemic. And uh, they were called to the police or by the police so often that they said, you know, I think there are a lot of hooligans there in that house. And uh, <laughs> it's a lovely, it's a lovely descriptive word, you know, something that we should be very proud of. I think having contributed
0: the language. Well, what about the word Thonian? It's the only word which starts with four consecutive consonants: c h t h o n i a n, and it means pertaining to the underworld. Very nice. Very you don't nice. see it in use very often. No. Thonian.
1: <laughs> well, I learned something today. I mean, where did you find that one about the hyphenated word? Hyphenated is not hyphenated, but non-hyphenated is
0: hyphenated. It's in this you know? book, one, two, three, oh, four, God. wacky, witty, and wonderful <laughs> words. It's in there.
1: My memory is going at this
0: stage. <laughs> I think, you know, we, we take words and numbers for granted, but they're the tools that we use in our everyday work and everyday life and everyday communication. And I don't think we pay them the respect
1: No, we, don't. we should.
0: No. We just take them for granted.
1: Yeah, yeah. One of my very favourite words, and I keep thinking about it, I think the most beautiful word in the English language is halcyon. And halcyon halcyon days are days of peace and quiet. And they're often days that occur around the end of the year, just between Christmas Day and New Year's Day, where the weather suddenly becomes very benign and very nice. And I think they represented a bird which um, died in the waters and then resurrected re- resurrected Phoenix-like from the waters. And it's a, it's a lovely image. It's a lovely time. And it's a lovely sounding word. And of course, it comes from the Greek, where nearly all the beautiful words come from. And the Greeks had a sense of beauty of words that I think no other nation, no other race had. And most of the most beautiful words you get in the English language, I think, have of, of, of Greek origin.
0: It is a lovely word. Well, I'll give you a word of, of, of Swahili origin, and it means a building. Uh, so in in it's the Swahili word for building. What do you think it is?
1: I wouldn't know. Is it in the book?
0: <laughs> yes, it's Jenga, J-E-N-G-A, yeah. which is the, the game that kids play where you put block on block on block and then you try and pull out the and you create start with a building and then you gradually destroy it. And it comes from the Swahili for building Jenga.
1: Do you know what an M-lordy is?
0: M-lordy lap. Oh, well, isn't that a palindrome backwards?
1: It's a, yeah, it's a word when spelled backwards gives you another word. Oh, yes. Like...
0: Like stressed and dessert. stressed
1: and dessert, Yeah, yeah, favourite one. Immotivism. Or flog and flog and golf, which describes the way I play it golf. Is. It's
0: very, very accurate. <laughs> yeah. All right. Like draw,
1: draw and reward. Yes. Yeah.
0: So, uh, have you got another number for me?
1: Another number. Um, well, I think you know a number that um, we tend to neglect and not think about is zero. I think zero, the invention of zero was one of the greatest inventions of all kind. And the Greeks and the Roman didn't have it. There is no Roman symbol for zero. We know the Roman letters and the Greeks didn't have it either. It seems it was invented by Hindu mathematicians around 800 AD. So if you had no money in your bank account, there was no expressing that up to about 800 AD. And it really is an example of to have a symbol for nothing at all. That is lateral thinking, I think, of the highest order. Nothing at all. You make a symbol of it. And look how useful it is. We wouldn't be able to get by without the number zero. The the whole decimal
0: system is dependent on it, and and we take it for granted. But I did write an article about an Indian banknote, uh, the zero-rupee banknote. Have you heard about this? (laughs) Uh, They they came up with a a banknote which was of value zero. And um, (laughs) what it's used for is if somebody asks for a bribe, you give them a zero uh, rupee banknote, which is a, 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 an insult, really. It's saying, you wanted a bright, well, here it is, and you've got a note, and it's of zero value because I don't give uh, rewards <laughs> but for it,
1: But uh, the paradox is, it, it must be worth something because, I mean, it takes, it, it takes time and effort to manufacture
0: it. Correct. So it's it of go. some tiny value, but you. <laughs> So theoretically, it's of you of can't no buy value. anything with it but if somebody offered <laughs> me one I'd probably pay them a few dollars for an example of it
1: <laughs> <laughs> so I mean it's a good example of a paradox because I mean it must be worth something and yet it's supposedly worth nothing exactly so does it right. mean, you, it mean does it mean that nothing can be worthless
0: nothing can be worthless mm, that's a really interesting question. could anything be completely worthless yeah. I don't know. well
1: nothing is nothing is
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. all right um, I think we've got enough material here for another of our um, good, okay. podcasts. That's good, that's
1: good. It's amazing what comes into your mind as you go along. Anyway. But I love, I love that image of Descartes as a lazy student lying in bed, making one of the greatest discoveries of all time. Because what, what Descartes actually did was he turned geometry into algebra. Every single thing in uh, geometry can be expressed in algebraic form. If you take a blind person who had never seen a circle, or a person who couldn't feed a circle, and you say x squared plus y squared equals one, all the information you need to know about a circle can be got from that algebraic equation, because that's the equation of a circle with center zero, zero, and radius one. And that was one of the most remarkable discoveries of all time. A, you're, you're cutting the visual out, and you're almost abolishing one branch of mathematics and turning it into another. And that was some achievement. So if if a guy, and spider, mean, I don't know if the spider ever got any any credit for it hanging there from the ceiling? But, um, you know, it, w- it was a remarkable discovery. And uh, Descartes was one of those guys. He was a strange mathematician. When all other mathematicians were cooperating and sharing the results, he said, no, I'm keeping all my stuff to myself. He wouldn't meet other mathematicians. He wouldn't have anything to do with them. He just kept to himself all the time, but didn't do any harm. And some people think that he invented calculus before Newton and Leibniz. He was able to find the equations of tangents to curves long before Newton and Leibniz could differentiate things. So he was some detail. And of course, he was also a great philosopher.